in a series called Uncommon Prayer. Many times we think that prayer is a repetitious thing that we do over and over again, that God, uh, that, that would, these are prayers that other people have written, but we've learned that prayer is much different, and we've given you a very simple pattern that you can learn how to pray that will help you kind of in a, in a pattern to pray. And this is praying up, that we're getting to know God, that we're getting to know him for who he is. We're praying in, that doesn't mean we pray to ourselves, but we're, we're being honest with God when we come before him to say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on in my life. Uh, I need you desperately. The more I, I, I come to know God, the more I realize how much I need him. And then the third one is, is praying out. And today we're gonna be talking about praying out. Um, praying out, the power of praying together is the topic. Uh, that's the title of the message. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. And we're looking at a story. Uh, we, we have, this series has been couched in the Psalms, but I felt led to go to Acts chapter 12. The big idea today is when we pray together, impossible things happen. When we pray together, impossible things happen. I, I've, I've, it's kind of interesting because many, I've seen many people come to Christ and come into a relationship uh, through Jesus Christ into the relationship that's intimate with God. And prayer is something that they don't do often. Sometimes we only pray to God when we're in trouble. How many of you can relate to that? Like, I pray when I'm in trouble. Well, the story we're looking at today is this, these, this person was in trouble. In fact, the church, God's people were in trouble. And what was happening, to give you a background, we'll, we'll go into in a second, but what was happening is King Herod was a, is the same king who tried, he basically ordered that all the, key, the children be murdered when Jesus was born. Remember that? And, and God told Ab uh, Joseph in a dream, get up, get going to Egypt, get away, because uh, Herod is out to kill uh, Jesus. And I mean, no, from the very beginning, Satan was attacking Jesus. And how many know he attacks people's lives from the very beginning? He starts attacking our lives. He's out to destroy our lives. Why? Because he hates God. And we as humans are created in God's image. And therefore he hates us because he knows that God's affection and his love is for people. In fact, that's why God came to this earth fully God and fully man, to die on a cross because he loved you. He loved me. He endured the cross. He suffered an agony, a death on a cross, a criminal cross, but yet he had done nothing wrong. He had never sinned. He was sinless. But what had happened is King Herod saw that he arrested James, who was the brother of John, um, it, these were the disciples. These were the first disciples. These were the apostles, what we call apostles. And he took James and killed him. He, he put him to death by the sword. And what happened, he saw that that pleased the Jewish people. So then he took Peter. He grabbed Peter and he was imprisoned. And he's in jail. Now, Here's the thing is with this, two, this story, I want to put something up and I want to point something out really quickly. Just because something bad happens to us doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. We see James lost his life, 
But in the end, we see that Peter, God spared his life for a reason. Both brought glory to God because God had a plan. How many know God is sovereign? He rules over everything. You may have grown up in a messed up home. You might have been grown up in a, in a very difficult situation. But how many know that God is still sovereign over that? He still reigns. He's in control. And so in this story, we find out that this happened. And so he takes it. And now the persecution starts. So now Peter is found in prison. So today I want to talk to you about four principles to keep in mind as we practice praying together. I believe there's something powerful when God's people gather to pray together. God instructs us to pray without ceasing, that we're always praying. When I'm driving, I pray. When I'm uh, at home, I pray. When I'm walking down the street, I'm praying. When I'm at my job, I'm praying. Whatever I'm doing, many times I have this ongoing conversation with God. It's not just me praying to God, but I'm listening to what God wants to say to me through his word. I'm not talking about audible voice here. I've never heard of audible voice. But there's a still small inner voice that God's spirit speaks to my heart and, and he, he, he brings verses to my mind. He speaks to me in, in, a, in a powerful way that, that causes me to cringe sometimes because I'm being bad. Sometimes he's talking to me about things. He's correcting me uh, through his word. Uh, but also I've found that God, when I get together with other people and pray, there's something that happens. Jesus talked about when we pray uh, and we gather, yeah, you need to pray in your closet. Jesus taught about praying in, a, in, in your room privately. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. So there's a reward for praying on, on our own in person by ourselves. But there's something about corporate prayer where God calls his people to pray. And I've found that God shows up when we pray. This Friday night, we've, the last two Friday nights, we've been praying. And sometimes it's just waiting on God. That's the hardest because we're doers, aren't we? We love to do. Instead of waiting on God, it's hard for us to wait on God, but we pray. So here we find uh, verse 4, it says, After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now, secretly, I believe Herod wanted to kill Peter. He wanted more favor with the Jewish religious leaders. And so he had determined in his heart, I'm going to do away with Peter. I'm going to take his life. He was sentenced. He was in prison. Now, think about the guards that there were. Look at what it says here. There were four squads of four. Four times four? Sixteen. Sixteen soldiers, probably armed, are guarding Peter, who's not a criminal. His criminal curse, cause was what? That he was a follower of Jesus. That he was going after God. That he was serving God. That he loved God. And notice that he was guarded, very guarded. And so he had a plan to destroy his life. And so in verse 5 it says, so Peter was kept in prison. But, the, but I love how there's always a but there. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. 
And I want you to get the picture here. Peter's in prison. They've already lost one brother in Christ. One of the leaders, in fact, he was one of the apostles. So they had, crucif- they had, they had put him to the sword. He had died. Uh, he was gone. And they had this truth that they, re- they really believed that he was going to die. But they what did what? They gathered together and they started pursuing God. They started praying. They started seeking God. And so I want to talk to you about four principles to keep in mind as we practice praying together. The first one is this. When we, are, we or someone we love experience difficulty in their lives, our response should be to pray earnestly together. So one of the apostles had been put to death already, James, and now they had taken Peter and imprisoned him. It was a sure death sentence. But they got together and they did something that brought power into the situation that was supernatural. So what they were doing here is I want to give you a picture. What they were literally doing, they were actually tapping into heaven itself. Because prayer, when you and I pray and we are in right relationship with God, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross by faith, what happens is we have a direct access before God's throne. The Bible speaks of God being a king. He reigns sovereign over everything. He rules. And so in that rulership, we find that, that we as God's people, we have an inheritance. We've come into a family. We've been born again. This morning we, 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 we sang about being sons and daughters of the king. And we come into that relationship with him. Now we have direct access before, before the throne of God. And how many know there's no busy signal? I try to call my alderman. They try to, I have to go through somebody else to get to my alderman. I have to make an appointment and wait to get to my alderman. Less, as less and less as you get, if you try to meet with the mayor, listen, it's going to be hard for you to try to meet you. Who are you? What do you want? Like, why are you calling? And God is saying, listen, you and I have direct access before God to come in at any time, and yet we don't take advantage of that. And so we see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, We're called to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's desire that we pray without ceasing, that we continually pray and seek his face. Ephesians 6, 18 says, never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a need for prayer? Oh, I pray for our people all the time, but I need prayer. And, 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 and the instruction here is don't stop praying, especially for others. Sometimes our prayers are selfish, aren't they? God, I need to rent money. God, will you bless me with my job? God, will you bless my business? God, will you bless this? God, will you do this? God, will you do this for me, 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 me? But sometimes God says, listen, you need to walk in the spirit. You need to understand what God's heart is. But don't stop praying for us. Always pray by the power of the spirit. In other words, directed by the spirit of God, stay alert and keep praying for God's people. And here's a verse that's really been convicting to me. Ezekiel 22, 30 is found in the Old Testament. And this is what God says. I looked for someone among them 
who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. I found no one. God is looking all throughout the land at that time of history and saying, listen, I've looked over all the land and I, I couldn't find one person, one person that would stand in the gap. The idea is standing in the gap that it brings, like a, it's almost like a current. How many know if there's a short in your wire that's plugged in? It's not going to get there. If there's a cut in the wire inside, it's broken. It, the currency, the current will not get there. So we're tapping into God, but we're standing in the gap for someone else. Listen, we have prayed fervently for others. And we've seen God work. The church at that point was praying earnestly. What does it mean that they were intensely going before God and saying, God, there is no other way. Herod has power. But you are far bigger than Herod. You are far greater than Herod. And if I could, we could tap into that prayer meeting. I wish I could. I wish the scripture was more revealing of what they were praying for. I wondered as I was preparing, what were they praying for? What were they praying for? God, show up, God. Make your name glory, glory, power. Fill this place with power, God. Be with Peter. Give him grace right now. Help him to beat all those 14 guys up and get out of there. No. <laughs> they were praying what they were interceding, and, and they were going after God like crazy in the prayer because there was a pattern that God had taught them to pray. See, we're not here into prayer. We're into God. I love that quote, and I'm going, to, I'm going to read it again that we read last week. Ben Patterson wrote this out. He says, as he wrote a book, he says, I'm not into prayer. I seem to have missed the religious gene or whatever it is that makes people enjoy the act of praying. It's not my nature to pray. I'm not into prayer. I am into God. I thirst and hunger for God. I ache for God. Without his everlasting arms holding me up, I will fall. So I must pray. He's saying, listen, I'm not into prayer. I'm into God. We are called to be into God. So the second principle, not only when we are, so, when, when we are someone we love experience difficulty in their lives, our response should be to pray earnestly together. Secondly, no matter how bleak it may seem, keep praying in because God is always working. In verse 6, it says this, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, I like that word suddenly. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that, that, uh, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. This is not fiction, guys. This is real. 
This is an answer to prayer. And if God can do that through answered prayer because God people, God's people got together and interceded, interceded, stood in the gap for Peter, imagine what God can do in your life. You may feel right now desperate. You may feel in a situation where you have chains around you that you cannot get out of. But let me tell you something. You can get out of it through the power of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you. He died to pay for your debt of sin so that you and I could be forgiven and washed clean till we can start a new night life. Notice this. It was the 11th hour. I mean, it was in the night before they were going to bring him out to trial. And in the 11th hour, God showed up. How many know God shows up in the 11th hour sometimes? I've seen God show up in the 11th hour because I mean, you're, you're desperate. You're saying, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. And, and then as you pray, it's like you keep pressing into prayer. You keep pressing and asking God. And God shows up sometimes at the 11th hour. And I've seen God do that over and over. What would have happened if the believers had not been praying earnestly to God? I ask myself, what if the believers did not have a prayer meeting that night? What if they were not praying? What would have happened? I've learned that God loves when we tap into him. I believe they tapped into heaven itself. Because here's the reality. We're in a spiritual battle. There's forces of darkness against forces of, 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 of heavenly host. This is a spiritual battle for the souls of people. There's a spiritual battle for the destiny of people's lives. But we can only speculate what would have happened. But that night, they touched heaven, and it made changes here on earth. That has, there's a lot of examples of when that happened. Moses, when he parted the sea, I don't think it was the stick that, that, that he had, the staff that he had that put it into the water and all that. was. I believe he was praying, God, move. They had the Egyptian army behind them. They were stuck between the sea and the mountains and then the Egyptian army that were going to take them back to Egypt as slaves. But let me tell you something. At the 11th hour, what happened? God showed up. Part of the Red Sea. Moses and Joshua were in a battle in which Moses prayed and Joshua fought. So Moses is up on the hill and he's praying and he gets tired. And all day it went on. That's the day that the sun stood still. And when he, was, when he had his hands up, what would happen? They were winning. The Israelites were winning. When he had his hands down, they were losing. So Ben, uh, the, Aaron and Ur came down. Ben-Hur, no. <laughs> Ben-Hur was not there. Don't, give you, don't tell somebody that you, Pastor Asa said that Ben-Hur was there. No. Uh, Aaron and Ur uh, basically stood on each side, and they lifted his hands. They were together, united, praying, interceding, standing in the gap, standing in the gap, and then we see the battle was won. Esther, he called, she was in a tough place. All the Jewish people were going to be killed. And Esther, being a Jewish woman, uh, had to go before the king. So she asked the people to stand in the gap by fasting and prayer for three days before she went into the king. And she was going to risk her life. And how many know she touched heaven? It changed earth. 
Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says, this is then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're doing is we're saying, hallowed be your name. We're praying up. And then we're praying in, we're saying, God, is there anything in my life that hinders me from obeying you, from walking with you? God, I want to be in right relationship with you, God. And now I'm praying out. I'm praying for others. It goes into relationship uh, thereafter to forgive one another, to walk in forgiveness constantly with others. Have you tapped into the amazing opportunity that we have to get to pray and see God answer prayer in every, very specific ways? Are you pressing into God even though what you see around you is bleak? Keep pressing in with expectation and yet dependence on God. Some of you are single mothers and you're praying for your children that are struggling right now. They're going off. And your heart is for God and you're saying, God, I don't want my kids to end up and go through all the pain that I went through. You're depending on God. Don't stop. Pressing in. Don't stop calling out to God. Your marriage is in trouble and you're about to lose your marriage. Listen, don't give up, but get on your knees and pray. I've said this. Don't pray for the other, your spouse to change. Say, God, change me. And I found that when you start praying that God would change you, God begins to change the other person as well. A third thing, that principle that we can learn is when we are praying together, we must believe in faith and not doubt. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, when he was out in the street now, Peter's now outside of prison, and he's out there, and he's realizing this was real. I mean, think about it. He groggy. He just got woken up by an angel. Like, he says, get up, come with, follow me. Chains fall off, and he go, the gates open, and now he's outside, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> I, just, I just broke out of prison. Lord, what, what has happened here? Is this real? Is this, a, is this a dream? And maybe in his mind he thought, man, it's over. Lord, I'm ready to meet you, Jesus, again. I'm ready to go to heaven, Lord. I, I'm ready. I know that you died for me, Jesus. But your will, perfect will be done. And he finds himself there. So what happens? Verse 11, Peter knocked. He goes. Well, verse 12, it says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Now, you would think if they're in this intense prayer meeting and they're praying to God, and they're saying, God, do something, God. Heaven, touch earth here today. This depends on Peter's life. Look at what they said. Rhoda, hey, Rhoda, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting, it was so they said, it must be an angel. Now, I don't know about you, but you think about that and you think, whoa, where was their faith? What are they praying? I mean, that's why I was kind of curious to see what they were praying. I mean, kind of curiosity kind of gets a hold of me and say, what, what, what were they praying? That they, even when... Rhoda tells him, I'm sure they heard the knock on the door. Rhoda goes and opens the door, and there is Peter. And she's so full of joy, the Bible says, she kind of ran back into the, the prayer meeting. She didn't even open the door. She recognized the voice. And then they goes back, and they didn't believe her. I, I, there was a, a reaction there. 
that the believers who were praying and standing in the gap for Peter did when God answered their prayer. Uh, Hebrews 13, 1 through 3 says this about angels. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Did you hear that? Sometimes, in other words, be hospitable because sometimes you don't know you might be entertaining an angel. Years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were living in a somewhat of a community situation. We were on one, we were a two flat with a basement apartment, half basement apartment. And we were living on the first floor, and then Pastor Mark and Dee were on the, on the second floor, and then uh, his parents were living in the basement. But we were, we were saying during that season, God, we don't want to just say that we're following you. We want to live it out for you, God. We want to do radical things for you in Jesus' name. So we thought, let's live in community, kind of, you know. But the whole goal was to get together and say, God, we want to live our faith out. So one day we had an opportunity to, to, to bring this guy in, nobody knew him. We brought him in. He was going on his way to Canada, and he needed a place for the night. So what do we do? Come on! Now, who knows? This could have been a murderer. We, know, we knew nothing about this guy. But he was a little weird, a little awkward. But it was a season that God was teaching us how to love people. And so we loved on this person, we, we fed him, we, we, had, we invited him in, we put him on the couch, we brought sheets out. I remember my wife and I, tuck, I, I got a picture of it, a picture of putting sheets in. And I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what if this guy's a murderer? The only thing that brought comfort is that we were three guys in the house. I mean, so like, you know, I mean, we're buff enough to take out this guy. I mean, there's six of us here, man, we could take him out, you know. Uh, but there was a little bit of fear there. But then... We never heard anything about him. We never found out anything about him. But in, in, we, I remember having a discussion about it. Like, maybe that was an angel unawares. That we really didn't know who this guy really was. But then he's gone. I, I had another guy, too, when I was doing a small group one time. I was leading a small group. And, and there was this guy named Earl. And Earl came and he smelled. I mean, he smelled. He didn't shower. He didn't bathe. He didn't have any hygiene. But this guy would write me notes of encouragement. And he, he, he couldn't even keep it straight. He would go like this, and there would be a line like this. And, and he was unusual, and he was hard to love, and people were like had a hard time loving. And again, it was a season God was teaching us how to love people. And then one day I get a call from the police. You know, hey, Earl, do you, do you know this guy named Earl? I says, Yeah says, we can't find him. They never found him. And I'm like, could this have been an angel? I see, all throughout our eyes, I mean, I remember when Elizabeth was giving birth to our first child, and she was, I couldn't go into the hospital room to prepare. I saw her, her chin shivering. And when she was in the hospital room, and they were doing an, um, uh, like, like prepping her, she was so nervous, first child. And it was a C-section. And I'll never forget when she came out, she said, uh, she asked the nurses about this one person who had prayed for her and quoted a scripture verse to her. And they said, 
she says, she asked about this person, and the person gave the name. He says, nobody, like that, nobody works with that name here. I'm like, what? So how do you explain those things? So in this situation, just the fact that they said it must be an angel or his angel, you know, I'm not weird into angels like angel this, angel that. We don't pray to angels. We pray to Jesus. You know, but the issue is this. There are angels that are sent to fight battles, to fight your battles. In this case, they were sent in this, in, in direct, I believe, direct answer to prayer, and God opened the gates, the prison doors. God brought Peter out, and he was able to fulfill the mission that God had called him to in his life. Eventually, Peter was going to be, would be crucified upside down. He says, I don't want to be crucified because they decided to crucify him. And he says, I do not want to be crucified like my Lord was crucified. And so he says, crucify me upside down. And he was crucified upside down. That's what history tells us. Are you learning to pray with the genuine faith in God's power and sovereignty? How have you responded when you see God answer your prayers? Are you praying specifically when you pray so that you can connect the dots when you see answered prayer? I want to tell you another story about a pastor in Asia who was praying. He was praying for that God would provide something. He, he needed a bike to be able to get to the villages in Asia to be able to preach the gospel. And he needed a desk to study on and a chair to sit on. So you know what he does? He prays. He asks the Lord, God, I need a chair. I need a, a, ta- a desk and I need a bike, Lord. And, and, I, and he prayed fervently for a long time. And I wanna, I'm sharing this story because I want, I want us to be specific in our prayers. Be specific. What happened is he prayed, and he, then he kind of started getting a little frustrated. God, God, I'm praying for a bike. You see how hard I'm working for you, God. And then God one day tells him, but you're not, you're not being specific. What kind of bike do you want? What, what kind of desk do you want? What kind of chair do you want? Be specific. So he started praying specific. And then at one point he prayed specific. Then he finally felt a release from God. Don't worry about it. So you know what he did? He, in his spirit, he sensed a release. And so he would go to the villages, and he was still walking to the villages, taking time. He was still studying on the little table, makeshift table that he had. But you know what he did? When he would go to the villages, the kids started making fun of him because in his preaching, he says, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant with a bike. I'm pregnant with a desk. And I'm pregnant with a chair. And the kids would come up to him after he said that, and they would tease him. Oh, Pastor's pregnant. Pastor's pregnant. And then he gets a call. There was a missionary who had come from a different country. He says, you know, I'm leaving the country, and God's taking us back. But as I was praying, I just felt a need to call you. He says, you're serving God, and I felt like God wanted me to give you some things. He says, I feel, are you in need of a bike? And he says, yeah, I've been praying. He got the bike. And also have a desk and a chair. And it was exactly, specifically what he had prayed for. You see, God wants us to be specific in our prayers. God wants us to be specific in the way we approach him. And when we're praying corporately, God wants us to be specific as well. Fourthly and lastly, just to rush things through. When God answers prayer, we must give a testimony of what God has done. Look verse 16 and 17. But Peter kept on knocking. 
And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. So notice what happened. He says, listen, shh, shh. I mean, I, I'm sure, can you imagine Peter walking in? And they, of course, they had doubted already. And they're kind of sitting there, waiting, you know. But then he comes into the room and, and imagine the joy, the celebration. They're celebrating, giving thanks to God, praising God in, in the middle of the night. Notice they were in the middle of the night praying. Sometimes you have to pray into the night. Uh, and he's praying into the night, and then God answers prayer, and he gave a testimony of what God has done. Why did he do that? I believe this. When God answers prayer, I want to challenge you to share. Why? Because this builds our faith. You know those disciples that were praying there, those followers of Jesus who were praying that day, I'm sure their faith grew. It increased when they saw God's response. And it also gives glory to what? Gives glory to God. Because how can you explain that except for God's intervention? Because when we touch heaven, God changes earth. Are you ready to engage God in prayer? I think it starts, first of all, by having, being in right relationship with God. The way I've explained it as many times I don't mess with other people's kids. In other words, I don't, if, if they're calling out, I'm not going to go over there unless, unless their parents aren't around to try to help somebody. Or if they fall, I'll try to help them get up. I mean, that's different. If they hurt themselves, I'm rushing to it. But here's what I'm saying. When my kids were young and they were, or even right now, if they're in trouble, I'm there. And when it comes to God, we come into a right relation. God loves all people. But there's a special relationship when we're sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. When we come into a relationship, and how can we do that? The Bible says, Jesus told Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of the day, says, you must be born again. You must come into new life. And even today as we celebrate this baptism, what is baptism? Baptism, this is just water. It's not, it's not holy water. It's tap water from Chicago. It's not holy water. You don't see any holy water here. This is just tap water. But here's a reality. This is symbolic of what happens in a person's life. The whole idea that we see, even Jesus was baptized. He was never baptized as an infant. He was baptized when he was 30 years old of age. What he was, what was he, why did he get to have, need to get baptized? I believe it was as an example that we should follow and what it is, is basically, it's symbolic of what God has already done on the inside. So when you go under the water, in a few minutes you're going to see uh, Cynthia and, and, and Stephen go under the water, symbolic of that they're dying to their old way of life. And when they come and they're buried with Christ, we've, we've, we've been crucified with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and when we come out of the water, it's symbolic of, of, of a new life in Christ, that we've risen with him. Now obviously we all struggle, God doesn't change he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't give us a brain transplant. What he does is he starts a new life inside of us. And the changes start from the inside out. I want to just testify that Stephen and Cynthia, I know you struggle still. But I've seen God begin a work in your life. And Jesus said this, 
It, I mean, the, the disciples said this even through the scriptures. Uh, it says, the Apostle Paul said this, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So there's a lot of room still for growth, but he loves you and he is for you. And, and as you submit and surrender to him, this is, this is like a marriage. It's like saying, God, we're taking a public step. It's like I don't go to my wife and I didn't go to my wife and say, listen, I love you, baby, but I don't want a wedding day, you know. I mean, I, I, wanna, I proclaimed it. I stood there. I dressed up for it. I declared my love to her. And that's what's going to happen here uh, with this baptism. So I want to do this while we invite the worship team to come back up.